0: Well, let's just remind ourselves what it is we're looking at in these chapters of uh, John's Gospel. Remember Jesus, uh, this is the night where he's just had uh, that last meal with them, and he has washed their feet, and now Judas has left them, and um, Jesus is saying, look, I am going away, and where I'm going, you can't come. So the disciples are going to be left uh, without Jesus with them, and he's trying to help them to show them what life is going to look like now when he's not physically present. See, the disciples had quite a unique situation in the history of the church, hadn't they? They were with Jesus. Physically, they could see him, they could touch him, they could ask him questions and get a direct answer. But for the rest of the history of the followers of Jesus, for the next 2,000 years until today, well, we wouldn't be with Jesus physically. So what does it mean to follow him Without him physically in the room. Well, that's what Jesus touches on here. And so it's a helpful passage for us because it tells us, if you're a Christian this morning, it's telling you, this is what it means to follow Jesus. And if you're exploring these things and trying to find out more about Jesus, it's kind of an opportunity to say, well, this is what following Jesus looks like. A chance to kind of try it on. Well, today, Jesus wants us to hear this. He wants us to hear these words I want your life, I want it to be fruitful. I want your life to be fruitful now I wonder what you think of when you think think of that phrase fruitful you know being fruitful when we think about it it gives our life a purpose a meaning kind of an aim a goal something to show it brings a vibrancy to life now we might look back on a day or a week or a month or even a year and think well that hasn't been very fruitful has it what do we mean then Well I haven't got much to show for it now what what have I achieved so when we're talking about being fruitful here it means that jesus is offering us a life of with something to show for it something of meaning of purpose jesus wants us to to grow to change to develop to have purpose to have fruit now verse 5 sums up the whole passage for us in chapter 15 this is what uh, the whole passage is trying to get across to us jesus says i am the vine you are the branches." Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Kind of sums it up. Now, verse one, we need to, to kind of understand that verse and this passage. Verse one um, helps us to, to kind of get onto the good start. Look what it says. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Jesus uses this illustration of him being the vine. Now, that can sound very strange to us, can't it? What is he talking about there? Well... Think for a moment of our emblem as a nation in Wales. It's the daffodil, isn't it? And what do they have in Scotland? They've got the thistle. In Ireland, they've got the shamrock. Um, In England, they've got the rose. Now, if Israel were to have an emblem, you know, if they had a rugby team with an emblem on for this time, it would be a vine. If you look through the Old Testament, God time and time again tells Israel, you are the vine." Now, what's a vine supposed to do? Well, if you've seen a vine, a vine isn't very thick wood. It's quite a thin wood, but the goal of the vine is to get fruit. All of the energy is poured into getting grapes. And God said to Israel, you are my vine. You need to show and grow fruit. What was that fruit? The fruit was knowing God. Israel was supposed to be a blessing to the nations all around them. They were supposed to show to the uh, nations around them what God was like. So if the nations around looked at Israel, they would say their God is generous, loving, kind, full of justice. You know, a forgiving God. Because they should look at Israel and see their fruit and see that's what God is like. But here's the problem. All the way through the Old Testament, Israel failed to show that fruit. They were not... Really a good um vine in that sense. So Jesus comes along and he says, I am the true vine. You see, it starts to make a bit more sense when we see it in the context of the old testament. I am the true vine. In the ways that Israel failed to show what God was like, I have revealed him fully and totally. And he tells us in this section: if you follow me, you need to bear fruit. I'm the vine. You are the branches. You need to bear fruit. Now, how can we know that? How can we have this kind of purpose, this transformation in our lives? How can we have a fruitful life? Well, five words I want us to look at this morning to help us to see what a fruitful life looks like. The first word is this, grace. To have a fruitful life, to know a fruitful life, we need to have and know God's grace. Look at chapter uh, chapter 15, verse 4, and the second half of it. See what it says there. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me so he's saying unless the you know unless a branch is connected to the vine there's going to be no fruit and that makes sense isn't it if a branch is far away from a vine it's not going to have any fruit it's just going to wither and die even if it's leaning against the vine that's not going to help either it needs to be Kind of organically connected. And when that vine is connected to the branch, then there's hope of fruit. So Jesus is saying, we need, if you want fruit, you need to be connected, abiding, united to me, Jesus says. You need to remain in me. So, how do we get connected to Jesus to have this fruitful life? How can we be part of the vine? How can we uh, know what Jesus is speaking about here? And this is where we can often jump to a misconception. We might think, right, to to be joined to Jesus, to be connected to him, I need to turn over a new leaf, if you pardon the pun. You know, I need to um, make some resolutions. I need to change my life. I need to roll my sleeves up and get stuck into changing my life and turning it around. I need to impress Jesus. I, I need to give to charity. I need to do religious works. I need to say my prayers, read the Bible, go to church. Then maybe... I can be good enough to be connected to the vine but that is not what we're told here look what verse 16 tells us about how somebody is kind of connected to the vine verse 16 says you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit whose decision was it jesus says i am connecting you to the vine i am doing it Verse 9 tells us that as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. We are connected to the vine by God's initiative, his love, his work. Jesus joins us to him. We don't do it. He does that to us. Now, that has a huge impact on how we look at having a fruitful life. See, if you are a branch attached to the vine this morning... If you're united to Jesus, if you're trusting in him, the only reason you are, the only reason is because Jesus has joined you to himself. He has done that through his love. Your position on the vine, if we keep using that illustration that Jesus uses, your attachment to Jesus is not down to you being clever or working it out. It's not down to you being better than anyone else. It's down to God's love, for you his grace his kindness we can't earn this it's a gift it means we can't look down on anyone it means that God has done it all and if you're not a Christian here this morning or listening or watching online you might think there is no way that I am good enough for Jesus if you knew my history if you knew my past Jesus doesn't want me I can't be connected to him. I can't be united to him. Jesus wouldn't want me. But you see what this truth is telling us? It is not about our history. It's not about what we have done or haven't done. It's not about how good or bad we think we are. Jesus unites himself to us by his grace. All you have to do is put your trust in him and say, Jesus, I need you. And when you do that, you actually realize that he helped you to do that anyway. It is all of Jesus. He has done it how do we have a fruitful life how can we bear fruit for God we need to realize that the only reason and only way we can start in that connection with Jesus is because he has done it it's his grace and that's why we can say and we can praise God for saving us we can say thank you for doing this to me we're not here this morning saying look how great I am look how great and what I've done no we're saying Jesus without you I'd be nowhere without you I can do nothing five words to help us explore what a fruitful life looks like the first word is grace the second word is intimacy the word that is kept being repeated in this passage in the version we're using in the sv it's abide you might have remain or something similar you know it's saying isn't it this is a, the relationship with jesus is something that is real it is something that is um, organic and is alive think again the vine uh, a branch leaning against a vine is no good <laughs> it needs to be connected for there to be fruit so our abiding in jesus our remaining in him our being united to him it's about us knowing jesus it's having this real live, living link and organic connection this means our relationship with jesus is real it's vibrant it's not stagnant and um, not real look at chapter uh, verse 5 says again do you see what it says whoever abides in me and I in him here is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing abiding in Christ means knowing him not just knowing about him not just knowing facts but actually talking to him spending time um, reading the Bible listening to his words verse 7 tells us if you abide in me my words abide in you ask whatever you wish It'll be done for you There's this connection with jesus we're listening to him we're talking to him there's conversations going on it's seeking him it's enjoying him it's listening to him all of those things having this abiding intimate relationship with jesus verses 9 and 10 puts it you see how it puts it there um, if you read verses 9 and 10 as the father has loved me so have i loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, verse nine is just an amazing verse. Look at that again. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. You might think, well, all this talk of intimacy with Jesus, connection, what's it talking about? Well, one of the things it means is thinking through verses like that and what that looks like and what that means. Jesus is telling us, that the love that the Father has for the Son, which is an eternal love, a love that will never go, it has been there forever in eternity past, will be there in eternity future, it is forever, it is safe, it is secure. That love the Father has for the Son, he says with that same love, I love you. A love that is eternal, a love that is forever, a love that won't be broken, a love that is secure. He's saying I love you with that deep forever love amazing to read abide in my love for you jesus isn't saying abide in your love for me you see the important difference there he's not saying your kind of intimacy with me is reliant on how you feel towards me he's not saying that he's saying i love you with the same love the father has for the son so nurturing this intimacy what does that look like it means thinking through what we've thought about already the grace of god for us his love for us but as well, amazingly, that we need to rest in his love for us, not our love for him. This morning, maybe you're looking at your love for Jesus or your attempts to love Jesus and you think, I'm weak. There is no way that I can um, be close to Jesus with how weak my love is for him. But Jesus is saying, stop looking at your feelings for, for me and look at my feelings for you. Look at how much I love you. This intimacy means we spend time thinking through these truths, what God has done for me, and then we'll see the knock-on effect that has. We are secure in His love, just as the Father has loved the Son, so with that same love, I love you. Last week, we saw that Jesus was going, but He was sending His Holy Spirit. He helps us to experience this love, And verse 11 tells us, which we'll look at in a moment, it says, I've spoken these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. As we learn about these things, as we understand these things, there is a depth and wonder of joy to this. You see, Jesus is the the means uh, and the kind of way to keep going in the Christian life. To be fruitful, we need to abide in him. Think on his love for us. And notice what's being said here. Maybe you're not a Christian. You're thinking these things through. Jesus is saying, I am the source for a fruitful life. I'm the source for this life with meaning and, and clarity. I am the source for that. The truth is, though, we turn to other sources for that same thing, don't we? Where are you turning this morning for meaning and purpose and hope? Where are you looking? What is your source of life and and purpose? Because we're all turning somewhere. If we turn to stuff and things, if we turn to people, if we turn to uh, maybe our work or pleasure, these things promise us a lot, but they end up leaving us empty. Jesus this morning is saying, you need to connect to me. Abide in me. He promises everything, and as we'll see, he gives us everything as well. Here is intimacy with Jesus. What does a fruitful life look like? It looks like recognising and remembering the grace of God for us. It, it looks like knowing his intimacy and knowing his love. And our, it's not our feelings of love towards him, but thinking on his love towards us. And our feelings will then catch up with that. So grace, intimacy. The third word is this, discomfort. What does a fruitful look, life look like? Discomfort. It's like, well, the first two sound quite nice. But discomfort, I don't like the sound of that. But let's look at this picture that Jesus gives us here. In this picture, Jesus is the vine, where the branches, but there's another person who is mentioned in verse one: the vine dresser. Who is the vine dresser? The vine dresser is God the Father. Now, vine dressers apparently were the experts. They were the ones who knew how to get fruit from the vine. And how would you get fruit from the vine? The vine needed to be tended to, needed to be cared for, needed to be pruned. Uh, so that if there was a branch that wasn't showing fruit, they should be snapped off, thrown away. But if there is a branch growing fruit, then that branch would be pruned. Why are plants pruned? So that they will bear and grow more fruit. In one sense, it seems counterintuitive pruning. You now, if you cut away branches you think, well, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're going to kill it. But actually, that produces more fruit. We've experienced this in our home. We had an apple tree given to us for our fourth anniversary, which is um, fruit. So one day on the doorstep, this big box came. Literally, a tree arrived on our doorstep. And uh, we've had it ever since and managed to keep it alive somehow by a miracle. But anyway, it's still alive. And people kept telling us, oh, you need to prune that tree. It's like, we oh, okay, we'll, we'll prune the tree. But I was kind of too nervous to prune it. First year that I tried to prune it, I was very kind of... Gentle with it, you know, just kind of snipping the smallest bits on the edge off. Oh, there you go, I've I've pruned the tree. But then, after a few years, I thought, right, let's do this properly, or properly-ish, and I was a bit more, kind of cut the branches off a bit further down. You're thinking, it looks like you were doing damage to the tree. You know, what are you doing cutting off these branches that had apples on them a, a few months ago? What are you doing? But if you go to somebody who really knows what they're doing in the garden, and you see them pruning, it's even more brutal, isn't it? You know, you look at somebody after somebody has pruned a plant, and it just looks like, what have you done? You have killed this thing. But then in the spring, or whenever that plant grows again, the branches come full of flowers, full of fruit. They come back stronger. They come back with more fruit, with more flowers this second time. You know, sometimes uh, we need to realize this is how God deals with us. There There are things in our life, in our character that are damaging us, damaging those around us, and grieving God. Things that if we keep, them, keep going in this trajectory in our life with these things in our hearts and lives and minds, they're going to destroy us and those around us. And God in his love brings things into our life that hurt. Without those things, we would never notice the struggles and the issues that we have. And so god lovingly comes along and prunes us and it hurts it is uncomfortable but it is loving there's nothing loving about just leaving us kind of on the trajectory on the on the road to destruction but god lovingly comes along and just wants to point out things and he does that through pruning you know think again about a surgeon what does a surgeon do a surgeon takes a knife And there are going to be some painful incisions but without those incisions you're not going to get any better and in the same way the master vine dresser comes along and no snip is wasted with him what is it in your life at the moment that god is putting you through that's uncomfortable that's hard that you don't understand and maybe you're looking at your life and saying god what are you doing you know you're killing me off it might feel like You've snipped me right back. But God, in his love, is showing us, look, some things need to change. This isn't good. This isn't right. And you are seeing things in your heart and life that no other circumstance would have been able to show you. And God, in his wisdom, is doing that. I wonder this morning, is God pruning you, even now, even today, through things in your life? It's hard, but ultimately it's for your joy ultimately it's for your good and we can trust him this is a god who loves you too much to let you keep going see when you look back on your christian life if you've been a christian for a while i'm sure that you'll see times where you've grown independence and an amazement of god maybe you've just seen something you hadn't seen for a while or something new about god that you'd never understood before but they've come after times of real struggle when you look back because you had to just depend on god In a way that other times you haven't if you're being pruned this morning can i encourage you it is proof that you're part of the vine your your branch is connected to the vine if you're being pruned it is proof that god loves you we should be encouraged if we're doing this because god is graciously working in you it also shows us if you're thinking of following jesus it doesn't just suddenly take all your problems away God will sometimes allow things to come into our lives that are hard and painful, but he does that because he loves you too much. In the same way that a child might not understand, you know, why on earth won't you let me play football next to this busy road? I want to play now. But the parent says, no, 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 it's not safe. You can see the danger, even though the parent doesn't understand. In the same way, God lovingly says, no, you're not doing this now because he loves us how can we have a fruitful life we need to understand these words grace we're here we're part of the vine on the attached to the vine because of the grace of God there's intimacy involved here there's a a dependence a talking a conversation an awareness of God's love for us there's discomfort because God lovingly will prune us the fourth thing is this the word obedience look at verses 9 and 10 to see this see if we have been attached to the vine if we are connected by the Spirit, we saw last week, and we're aware of God's wonderful, um, forever, unbreakable love for us, then our lives will not be the same. They can't be after experiencing something so uh, wonderful. And look at verse 10, how verse 10 sums it up. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, to know more of the intimacy to know more of god's reality in our lives we need to follow his ways follow his commands you know we're not saved remember by keeping his commands we've already seen that the only way we're attached to the vine is by god's grace but what a life of fruitfulness looks like is keeping god's commands and second half of verse 10 really helps us to see why this is so important and, and why we, how we can do it look how verse 10 shows again remember how he said about um, the father's love for me so i love you there's a similar thing going on here in verse 10 did you see it just as i have kept my father's commandments you keep my commandments so let's think for a moment how does jesus keep the father's commandments well he doesn't do it begrudgingly he doesn't do it it saying oh this is i don't agree with this but i'll do it anyway no, 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 he ag- agrees and willingly, goes along and trusts the Father. And as he does this, there's joy. Verse 11 tells us, "I'm saying this that my joy, the joy that I experience from obedience to my Father, may be in you, that your joy may be full. I want you to experience the joy that I have from obedient obeying my Father." At John 17, we're going to see Jesus pray a similar thing there. He says, these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. See, as Jesus obeys his Father, there is joy. He is filled with joy because he knows it is right. And in the same sense, as we obey Jesus and follow his ways, there will be joy because that is the right path. It's the path that gives us life and freedom. When we disobey God, what is it that we're saying? When we, when we know what God wants us to do, but we do something else, what is it that we're saying? In those moments, we're saying this God, I don't trust you with this. God, I know better in this situation. God, I know what will work, and you don't. You know, maybe you might think, well, God, I, I want to be free. I don't want to obey and be restrictive. I want to be free. Well, if we're honest, how does that go? How is being free going for you? How is going against God's ways going? You know, sometimes we think we know what's best, but actually we stop and see, you know, what have I done? And we end up in such a mess. Do we really know on our own the best way to live? Jesus here is offering us not a list of lifeless rules to follow, but he's saying, if you want to know true life, follow my ways. If you want to know Uh, freedom, follow this path. Remember who it's coming from. Jesus is saying, I love you with an eternal love. Trust me. I want what's best for you. In the same way, remember that child looking at that busy road and thinking, oh, I'd love to, run across it or play football on it. No, no, no. Trust me. I love you. Don't go there. God wants what's best for us. And verses 13 to 15 show us how that's revealed, doesn't, doesn't it? Greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus calls us his friends and he's saying, I'm going to lay down my life for you. That's how much I love you. Trust me with your life. Now, why did Jesus go to the cross? He went to the cross so that we could be forgiven so that we could be united to him, so that we could be attached to the, to the vine. Here's a God who loves us. So bring that into your life. Where is it in your life that you're struggling to obey, struggling to follow God's ways? You know what he wants, and you're going the opposite way. Is that because you don't trust him? Again, you might not say this, but effectively, are you really saying, God, I don't think you know what's best. I think I do. Jesus is saying today, I want you to taste a greater joy than you've ever experienced by following my ways. What the devil wants us to think is this. You've got joy here, and you've got obedience to, to God here. Choose. You can choose joy, freedom, Are you can choose obeying God, boring, you know, miserable, life-sapping. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. If you follow me, there is true joy the devil robs us of joy the devil's ways robs us of of freedom but Jesus ways is true freedom and true joy Jesus says follow me and know this why not try it this week in this area that you're struggling to follow Jesus whatever that might be and it's going to be different for everybody in this room follow Jesus ways and just see if there's a joy and an awareness of the intimacy with jesus that we speak of here in your life as a result jesus is promising you not less joy but more joy are you sticking for kind of the fleeting pleasures that sin and um, going against god's ways promise or this morning will you go for the greater joy of following jesus obedience jesus says know the joy that i know from obeying my father by following my ways Five words to help us live a fruitful life. We're finishing now. Grace, intimacy, discomfort, obedience, and the last thing is love. Now, why did vineyards exist? They exist to produce grapes and ultimately to produce wine. Now, I am no wine expert, but I know you need more than one grape to have any shot of making any wine, don't you? I think that is true. I think we'd all agree on that, even if none of us are wine experts. Uh, We are saved... And we are attached to the vine to produce fruit. And not just on our own, in our own little individual grape, but to produce fruit together. And so we are part of, when you become a Christian, you are part of something big. You're part of the church of Jesus, you're part of his people, his community, the supernatural community. And if we grasp these verses, they're going to have such an impact on us as a community of God's people. You see, all Christians, we're all connected, you know, we're all branches connected to the vine. We've got the same sap running through us, if you use that illustration, yet we are united together. There's something about being together and um, that Jesus is saying, you need it. This is what I've produced. This is what I want to get from you. And if we're all saved by the grace that we started thinking about, doesn't that put us straight away we're all equal? None of us have done anything better to, to be part of the vine. We're all equal. We're not looking down on each other. Not only that, but we are secure in his love because we're loved with this eternal love. God can't love you any more than he does now. He can't love you any less. We're all loved by that. So that means we don't try and kind of um, impress people to make ourselves feel better because we're secure in the love that God has for us. What, being part of a community where you're not trying to get one up on each other, where you're not showing off where you're not kind of talking about somebody else to put them down to make yourself feel better, to be in a place where we're secure in the love that God has for us, where we are supernaturally empowered to, to, to love him. Then Jesus, That is why Jesus says, love one another. Love one another. You've got to do this. He said, verse 17, these things I command so that you will love one another. Verse 14, you are my friends. We're all friends of Jesus. And he says, love one another. In chapter 13 we didn't look at this but if you read chapter 13 that is where jesus gets up and takes the lowliest of positions by washing the disciples feet a job that the lowest of servants wouldn't even do and jesus did it and then he says at the end now that i've cleaned you now that i've washed you go and do likewise serve one another put others interest before yourself not because of what you'll you know not because of getting one up on one on each other but because that's how Jesus serves us, because we love one another. Verse 13, do you see? Um, Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We need to live sacrificial, selfless lives for one another. How can I serve you? Not, what am I getting out of this? So often church can become that, can't it? But I'm not getting anything from it. If we have that attitude, we'll all end up um, you know, leaving. We need to come with the attitude that says what can i give because jesus has served me what can i offer and that might not be anything obvious or it meant anything up front or anything and um, that everybody sees it might be something really in the background but we get to do it for one another this is a supernatural community that jesus saying i want you to be part of so this week how can you show love for somebody in church how can you do that? It's, it's really tricky at the moment, isn't it? Because I, I think normally we want to just spend lots of time together and be in each other's homes and think, but we can't do that at the moment. Hopefully not too long, but not at the moment. But, but what can you do under the restrictions? Who could you phone? Who could you send a note to? Who could you pop to the garden of with an umbrella um, and just say hello? Who could you, how could you show love this week? Who could you help out and serve? See, we can't do this alone. One bunch of grapes won't get you any wine. But a whole kind of row suddenly we're talking that's what jesus is after for us to be together serving one another and we need it one of the reasons this last year has been so hard on our society is because we've been separated and we're not made for it we're made to be together and we need it and so let's pray this through how can we as a church live this out fruitful life um, uh, between one another so, Jesus wants us to live a life that is fruitful, has meaning, has purpose. How do we live a life following Jesus like that? Well, here are some words to help us. Grace, intimacy, discomfort, obedience, and love. And let me finish by reading that verse that sums it all up. Jesus says, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing let's pray together yes thanks Terry we'll come to that in a minute Lord we thank you so much that uh, you are a God who talks to us and speaks to us and we pray that through this um, this passage in the Bible that talks about being fruitful that we would live lives that have that fruitfulness vibrancy life to us Lord we pray for us as a church that we would love one another lay down our lives for one another just as Jesus lay down his life for us we pray lord that this would all be rooted and grounded in the grace and the love we've experienced from you we are sorry lord that we so often fail to do this we're sorry lord that we so often uh, don't keep our eyes on your love for us but think more of our love for you help us lord to live in the liberty of this passage this morning we pray and we thank you for jesus thank you that he died on the cross so we could be forgiven and we pray lord that you'd help each one of us, to put our trust in you, even for the first time this morning, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.